You're listening to Heart Sounds, TCTMD's award-winning podcast hosted by Shelley Wood. Hello and welcome to my favorite Heart Sounds episode of the year. This is the podcast where I usually let you listen in on some of the interviews the TCTMD journalists did to pull together their print stories in the months gone by. Not this month. It has become a tradition in December to turn the microphones around and ask the reporters themselves about the most memorable or meaningful work they did in the year gone by. 2021 was not the year that any of us expected or hoped for, and my hat goes off to all the healthcare professionals that have endured wave after wave at their hospitals or found themselves not being able to do the work that lured them into their profession in the first place. For those of us working in cardiology news, the year posed challenges, some of that driven by the monotony of remaining in our home offices day in, day out. But there was also the opportunity to explore ideas and approaches never before needed or imagined in cardiology care. And that, to a writer, that is rare, and it's been its own reward. Let's hear now from the TCTMD team. All right, we're going to start off with Todd Neal. Todd, it is your opportunity to tell us what is your most memorable story of the past year. I I always like to, when I'm thinking back on the the story that I most enjoyed or most memorable, usually go to the the future stories that we work on because we can dig into those a little bit more. Um, And the one that popped out for me this year was uh, the future story I wrote on, you know, when, you know, decisions around when it might make sense to stop uh, oral anticoagulation at some point at the end of life or, um, you know, depending on how you're doing health-wise. I always like stories like that, that kind of get a little bit closer to the patient angle or the patient perspective, just because, you know, we usually write about things from, for the doctor's perspective, you know, the patients for daily practice and things like that. And it's always a little bit more interesting to, to you know, look at things, you know, from a, a little bit of a different angle. Yeah. Can you remind me what, where did the, do you, maybe you don't remember, but where was the inspiration for that story? Was it a paper or something from a meeting? I, I don't remember now. Do you? I remember seeing a, a paper in one of the journals, one of the JAMA journals, and it was, it was looking at the use of oral anticoagulation in patients, elderly patients with dementia, sort of at the end of life. And it found that a lot of, a lot of these patients were still on oral anticoagulation, something like a third or 40% something like that. And that just, that just kind of stood out to me. And, you know, I found that a bit unusual and it was, you know, something that I wanted to look into a little bit more, just more if a, in a general sense. Yeah. Yeah. And we've certainly done other stories on, on whether statins should be continued at the end of life on um, the extent of sort of pill burden for blood pressure as people get older. So this was a, a new one for us and yeah, a good one. This is putting you on the spot, but do you remember the title of that so people can go and find it? The title of the story is When the Time Comes to Stop Oral Anticoagulation, Options and Obstacles. Great. All right. Well, I'm not going to let you go without also giving a plug for the COVID-19 dispatch because uh, you and I hatched this idea coming up on two years. I think it'll be two years in March, but you have diligently been keeping track of the research and policy news relating to COVID-19, not necessarily as it overlaps with heart disease, but I know we didn't think we'd still be working on it. Are you completely fed up with writing the COVID-19 dispatch or are you still finding it useful just to keep tabs on things. I'm not fed up with it. And, and I don't think I can take credit for the idea. I think the idea was yours. 
but since the beginning, I've found it to be a helpful exercise for me personally, at least to keep up with what's happening uh, with the pandemic in terms of research and, you know, other things going on out there and public health measures, things like that. Um, so it's still, it's still interesting for me. And I didn't think that we'd be coming up on two years on it. And I thought maybe, you know, for this, this year end interview, I could be talking about the story I wrote on the end of the pandemic, but unfortunately that didn't come to be. Bummer. Yeah, we're looking forward to you writing that one for sure. Uh, we would have pulled the plug on the dispatch by now if it wasn't proving so popular with readers, uh, but it is. And I agree, having, uh, keeping up on it somehow is comforting in a way that was unexpected for me. So I'm glad it still feels that way for you. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll be able to at least slow the pace of it in the months to come. Here's hoping. Yeah, let's hope so. All right. Well, thanks for telling me a bit about the feature story as well as the dispatch today, Todd. Thanks. All right. Thank you. All right. Caitlin Cox is up next. Caitlin, what story stood out for you from 2021? So, you know, the one that stood out the most to me actually goes all the way back to March. Uh, it seems like ages ago now, so I had to go and look it up to make sure I got all the details right. It was the story about OHSU, Oregon Health and Science University, and the $45 million lawsuit uh, that was brought against them and a former anesthesia resident about alleged sexual assault and harassment. And, uh, you know, it... <laughs> Part of writing the story and part of why it was so hard to cover was the fact that I had to read through a very, very long lawsuit to get the details. And we turned the story around within a couple of days. But it, it felt like something worth covering is a really important topic, even though it was a hard one. Yeah, yeah, it is a hard one. And I, I know you, um, I was encouraging you and the others to come up with stories that weren't our regular run of the mill. And, and this one certainly wasn't. And you and I had quite a bit of a conversation about it as to whether this is something we wanted to cover on TCTMG. And if we did, what value could we bring to a, a topic that was getting quite a bit of discussion on social media? What sort of added value could we bring by covering it? And uh, we did that in the end, I think. Yes, I think so. I mean, the trickier part for me too, is there was really no direct cardiology connection at first, right? It was in a different medical specialty. Um, but what I tried to do was rather than get stuck in the one story, which, you know, as important of a story as it was, was to look at cardiology and what our readers would find useful going forward, what resources were available to them, women who, women or anybody else who experiences harassment at work, um, who they could turn to for help, and also a little bit of a realistic view about what they could expect and what challenges they might face as they go forward. And I, I hope that we provided people with uh, tools they could use at the times that they need them. So I, I tend to think of it as a forward-thinking story. I mean, honestly, the uh, lawsuit itself was settled in April. And okay. so that wasn't ongoing. Like that part is done. But the bigger conversation about how to handle harassment and uh, medicine is, of course, ongoing. Yeah. And that was the piece that we wanted to bring was who can you turn to? What materials are out there? But it is a little bit. And I think and many women could say this, that they have had an experience in their careers where they didn't know where to turn. They didn't know who to trust. They didn't know who they could speak to. And so your story did try to look into not only what has been done or what is available, but ideally also spark a bit of a fire to remind people that these, this is hard to navigate. And maybe having a story like yours out there will serve as a bit of a poke to remind people that this is something that still needs to be improved upon. And I think you did that. Yeah. I hope so. I hope so. Because one of the things about it was, that, you know, that there were so many policies in place 
and it seemed like at that point they failed. Uh, and so obviously there needs to be a, a rethink about how we're going to prevent these situations from rising in the future because just having the rules on paper doesn't seem to be enough. Yeah, I agree. Okay, well, thanks so much for telling me about it, Caitlin. All right, thank you. Okay, next up, I've got Yael Maxwell. And Yael, you have something interesting for what is your most memorable standout moment reporting for TCTMD this year. Yeah, this time last year, I was still out on parental leave, which brings me to what I wanted to mention. Back in August, I filmed a segment for the Fellows Forum called Becoming Parents and Cardiologists, Trainees, Balance It All. And the idea for the interview came both from my newfound perspective as a mom but also my longtime awe of fellows who do seem to balance so much. And for me, becoming a parent has been an all-consuming and life-changing event, and yet I continue hoping to be a better journalist. And in my conversations with fellows, it often seems like becoming parents has encouraged them to want to be better, more empathetic doctors as well. Yeah, I remember when we first started talking about you doing these videos, because usually, of course, they get recorded at meetings and the um, fellows course is one of them. But anytime we have a studio and even when we don't have a studio, you can be out there carrying your camera around to interview folks in training. And it took a while before I could convince you that, in fact, we could do these. And I was the same. I mean, I didn't record an episode of On Record for, for months, I don't think, when COVID hit. But you were persuaded that this is something you could do virtually. And um, yeah, you did your first one, I think, in April, but this one, as you say, was in August. And it's a good one. It, it, it rings true for you. But what did you learn from it? What stands out? Yeah, you're right. It, it took me a little while to come around to the virtual video train. Um, but it has been really an interesting experience and enabled me to talk to more people, even than I would just see at meetings. Um, in this particular video, I spoke with Wendy Ying, who is a recent grad who has a three-year-old son, also Arnav Kumar, who had just begun his interventional training mere weeks after his daughter was born, and also wow. Eva Minga, who is a second-year cardiology fellow who gave birth to her son earlier this year. And we talked about a variety of topics from program support during this transition, parental leave and available resources, but what became very clear was that this is a life shift that affects so many young trainees and everyone seems to crave grace and patience as they navigate this tricky yet exciting time. So it was definitely one of my more personal projects, but I encourage everyone, parent or not, to check it out. Yeah, that's really what I took away from it because I thought, oh, this will be interesting for people navigating this stage of life. But actually, I think it was important viewing also for people more senior in their careers, maybe taking them back to this phase of their life with all the things they had to juggle. Or for those who didn't have children, maybe to get some insights into that added layer of stress that's going on for people. So thanks for reminding us of that here, Yao. Definitely. Thanks so much. All right, I've got Michael Reardon here. Hi, Mike. Hello. I am wanting to hear about your top story or most memorable story from 2021, although I secretly suspect it's not just a single story. Yeah, I had a hard time trying to pick which one I thought was my most memorable story for the year. Um, the year just kind of blew by in a bit of a blur. Uh, one minute it was, you know, New Year's, and next now we're kind of waiting for Christmas again. But uh, I guess for me, 
the most memorable one, I guess, was probably the meta-analysis that looked at the clinical trials comparing PCI versus cabbage for left main coronary artery disease. And this is sort of a, a controversial area, as I think a lot of people would know, especially in Europe, where there was some debate over the, uh, the guidelines, the revascularization guidelines. And so this meta-analysis was eagerly anticipated. It was run by researchers out of the Brigham group. So it was a neutral third party, and it was a patient-level meta-analysis. So basically, it was the people that kind of run the PCI trials and the people that run sort of the cabbage studies. They were all told to kind of stay away, and this neutral third party kind of stepped in and said, okay, we'll look at it. So I think it was probably the best evidence that people are going to get for um, the optimal way to approach um, revascularization uh, for, for these type of patients. And I don't think the results were too surprising. You know, PCI, based on this sort of meta-analysis, didn't do well in patients with complex anatomy, but, you know, it looked like it was somewhat favorable in the patients with um, a, a low syntax score. So, you know, it was a, an interesting study in the sense where the surgeons and the interventionalists kind of agreed on the data, you know, and that was something that um, that I, I haven't seen in, in two or three years. And uh, I talked to Vinod Thirani from Emory University, and uh, he had some really nice things to say. You know, his quote was, uh, we're bickering a little too much on sort of who won and who didn't. And he said, that's not the point. Our goal is not to win. And, you know, he's a surgeon. And uh, I thought that was a really kind of good, I guess you'd call it sort of a period to the end of, um, you know, the, the two-year war that's kind of gone on in, in left main CAD. So we'll see what the guidelines bring in uh, 2022 in Europe. But uh, yeah, I suppose that was probably my, my favorite story from this year. Okay. I was going to say, uh, you might think that this is the, uh, end of the, <laughs> the end of this, but I'm guessing it will continue on from here. But I know your stories get a lot of readership, Mike, and um, everyone will be happy to see more of them if that's the case. So thanks for telling us a little bit about it here. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Okay, now I have Laura McEwen here. Laura, you are going to tell us about your most memorable story or most memorable experience of the past year. What have you got for us? Um, well, it was a feature story on experiencing racist behaviors from colleagues while working in the cath lab. And this was a story that originated from a nurse who is Black and who reached out to us to tell her story about years and years of being treated badly and and feeling fed up and unheard. Yeah, I remember this well because the email originally, I think, came after my feature story, which was looking at all of the nurses that became travelers and were moving around from place to place in order to get good work during COVID. And this person reached out and said, you know, we're not just moving for the money. There are other reasons that propel us to seek jobs elsewhere. And you really ran with this. Right. I mean, she really didn't have to tell the story to us. She didn't have to tell it to anyone. Um, it didn't benefit her at all to do that. But I think, you know, all of us at TCTMD, we were glad that she did because it, it's easy for us um, to, you know, sit in our offices and write stories about the cath lab um, and about patients and devices. But her story really took us out of our element. And as we shared the story with the cath lab community, 
we heard and saw the pain of their shared experience. The physicians and the nurses who were themselves people of color who spoke with me for this story, they were not surprised by Yolanda's story. They had their own stories that were personal and infuriating. But as one person who I spoke with said, by telling these stories, there's a high potential for them to resonate and maybe empower other people to speak up for themselves or on behalf of colleagues. Yeah, I hope so. I would hope so. Thanks so much, Laura. I really hope that people will go back and find that feature. Do you want to remind us what the title was? Unseen and Unheard in the Cath Lab, Anti-Racism Efforts Fall Short. Thank you so much for telling us about it, Laura. Thank you. That's it for the December edition of Heart Sounds. I want to say thanks to all of the TCTMD reporters for their hard and thoughtful work in 2021, not to mention telling me about their standouts for this podcast. I have enjoyed working on every single story, large and small, with all of you, and I am grateful for the chance to also write the odd feature story of my own. That includes the one I referred to when I spoke with Laura about the staffing crunch facing cardiac care. To wrap up the year, I delved into a story on the kinds of global voices we've been able to hear more from as a result of so many meetings going virtual and offering inexpensive or free attendance online. Speaking with people around the world who don't get a chance to travel like this really drove home for me how lucky I've been able in my career to attend so many cardiology meetings in person. I know my work and the work of my team has allowed a wider world to get a glimpse of what goes on at these congresses, but that shouldn't take away from the fact that it's been a privilege in years past to meet so many of you in person and to see groundbreaking science revealed in real time. What a timely reminder given everything else going on around the globe. A couple more thank yous are warranted for the last podcast of the year. Thank you, Mamas Mamas, who joined on as TCTMB's senior clinical editor one year ago and has provided us on the news team with invaluable clinical and academic insights and suggestions to enhance our work. I sat down virtually with Mamas to recap some news highlights of 2021 for my video program on record. Find that under the videos tab on tctmd.com, which is where you'll also find the video interviews Mamas conducted with clinical trialists who presented their work at mostly virtual meetings over the last 12 months. Thank you, Dan Goodman, who produces Heart Sounds each month, Hannah Della Bella and Samiha Hook, who publish our print stories and make it look so stylish, Steve Angelino for his help with On Record, and Stephanie Gutch for her staunch support for TCTMD's editorial work. Finally, thank you to all the busy doctors and scientists who, in the midst of everything else going on for you, took the time to pick up the phone and answer our questions. There is so much crap out there masquerading as medical information these days. We work hard at TCTMD for editorial independence, for balance and depth and accuracy. All of that would be impossible if no one took the time to explain their work to us or to offer careful critiques about the work of others, then trusted us to make sure we got it right. Happy New Year, everyone. Here is hoping for hope in 2022. Thanks for listening. Do you love listening to Heart Sounds? Check out all new original content from TCTMD featuring Talking Points with Dr. C. Michael Gibson and Rocks Art Radio with Dr. Roxanne and Moran. 
All new episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud.